0: As we begin this morning, would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful, Lord, just for the opportunity to be present in this place. Lord, I just ask that as we come before you and we look at your word, as we dive back into the series that we've been in, Lord, I know that there are a lot of us that have had dark nights And so, Lord, we just ask that you would use your word to bring us comfort today. Lord, we look to you. We ask that you would not let me speak, but, Father God, you would speak through me this morning. We love you. We praise you in your holy name. Amen. We're continuing in this series that we've been in called Canyons, talking about the dark nights of the soul. And and a lot of it is kind of how God walks with us. How God is present with us through some of the dark valleys of our life. Uh, When I was in college, there was a bunch of us friends, we all decided to go out to eat and then go to a movie. And I remember I was sitting there and we we had a group of about fifteen or sixteen or so, and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm eating my food, and I slowly realize I'm I'm going down, I'm saying, There's a couple, there's a couple, there's a couple all to realize that I was the 15th wheel. I was the only person with this group of people that was single. So I looked over at my best friend and said, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna go see a movie, I think I'm gonna go home and cry if that's okay. We all have times like that. This happens from time to time, times where we feel lonely. The question I have for us today, though, is are we ever alone? God promises us many times throughout Scripture that he would never leave us nor would he forsake us, that he's the one that walks with us through these dark valleys in life. In fact, Scripture tells us that not even hell could separate us from his love. You say, well, I, I know that, I know the truth, but sometimes I still feel lonely for those of you that are note takers this morning I'm going to have you turn to the back of your sheet we're going to throw up an image and if you notice on the bottom of your note sheet there's a little bit of space and this is what I want you to do I want you to draw a triangle and I want you to write you at the top of it if you want to make it personal you can even put your own name look at there but I want to I ask that question first before we dig in, is why do I feel lonely? If, if Scripture is telling me that I shouldn't, why am I feeling this way? And, and one of the reasons is, is that sometimes we're just anxious. Now, I received a phone call from Pastor Steve, and I didn't pick it up, and I got the voicemail, and the voicemail said, hey, call me as soon as you get a chance. And at my old job when I got that phone call and then I was in trouble and so I'm I am stressing I'm I'm thinking about all the things that I could have possibly done wrong and I'm working myself into a frenzy and I finally get the courage to call Steve back and you know what he says to me he says hey Will, there's some free Ted's in the fridge if you want it I had been stressing out of my mind and all he had to tell me is that there was free Teds in my life. But sometimes that's, that's what we do when we're anxious. We, we begin to fill in the blanks. And we start to think things like, oh, they, they, they must hate me. No one loves me. I, I, I'm a failure. Or maybe you're like me. You get that phone call and you're like, I'm about to get fired. Another one is Loss. Sometimes we feel lonely because we literally lose people in our lives, those that are close to us. And, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but I have tend to notice it in my own life is that grief normally tends to push me away from other people. And I don't think that it's just death, but sometimes you can have a friend that moves away. Sometimes there's a fight or a fracture within a relationship. Sometimes there's a betrayal And those of you that have been through high school or college, you've had that friend that was really close to you until they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about? And you just, you lose somebody. Sometimes it's shame. Shame causes us to hide. It causes us to run away. You know, when we tend to keep secrets it tends to isolate us from other people. It, it, it keeps us from being real. It keeps me from being me. Too often times we're afraid to be ourselves and we end up putting on an act. And, and sometimes I just want to be like, you know what? Uh, so I, I enjoy bathroom humor and I laugh at inappropriate times sometimes, but that's, that's who I am. I'm, I'm working on it, but, but that's, that's who I am. Sometimes I think it's because we just feel misunderstood. We have that sense of, I, I'm just, I'm the only one who thinks this way. I, I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one that's going through this. No, nobody understands me. I think a lot of times it's just because we're being attacked. You know, Steve spoke last week and shared a verse about Peter calling Satan a roaring lion, and I've always thought that was interesting because I do believe that Satan hunts like a lion, and what a lion does is a lion seeks to isolate you, to get you off by yourself, and then he attacks, and I think what Satan knows is, is that we tend to make bad choices when we are feeling lonely, and so we have an enemy that seeks to attack us this way. He wants us to feel alone we come back to this idea okay i'm 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 feeling lonely i understand that but but what can i do about that and i think the first thing that we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to cling to the truth when we feel alone i put this statement in your outline and this is so true your feelings are real yes your feelings are real they just aren't always reality in an effort to avoid me from suppressing my own feelings, I've adopted a new life motto. And, and excuse the language, but my new life motto is embrace the suck. Like, your, your feelings are real. You, you can't change them. You feel the way that you feel, and there, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. But you can choose what to believe. And just because we're feeling the way that we feel, it it doesn't mean that our feelings are trustworthy. So I'm trying to, in my life, embrace the way that I feel, but I'm also trying to pray my feelings to God and say, God, I feel this way, but please help me to trust you. There's a story in the scripture, a prophet named Elijah And Elijah has this mountaintop incredible experience. He calls, he literally calls down fire from heaven, consumes an altar and defeats all his enemies. This great, incredible mountaintop experience. Ten verses later, literally ten verses later, this same prophet who's called down fire from heaven says to God, I'm feeling so lonely, please just let me die. 10 verses, from the mountain high to the valley low in 10 verses. And God comes to him, he feeds him, gives him rest, and then he whispers to him. And he tells Elijah, listen, there are 7,000 others. You may feel alone, but there are 7,000 other people who have not bowed to Baal. You're not alone. What what is God saying here? He he comes to him and tells him in a whisper. What do you know about a whisper? When you whisper to something, what happens? You get close to them. So God's saying to Elijah, you're not alone. I'm here. In fact, I'm close. And I know you feel alone, but there are 7,000 others. You are not alone. In scripture in Isaiah 48, 16, it says, draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. I, I don't know where you are this morning. And, and I don't know if maybe you've been feeling like Elijah. You, you, you feel so lonely, maybe depressed. Hear what the scripture says. It says, "From the time it came to be," what he says. He says, "I have been there." We've got to learn to cling to that truth that that He is there. From the time that it came to be, He has been there. I'm not sure what it is for you. It might be a trial. It might be a temptation. It might be a hardship. It might be a failure. It might simply be feelings of loneliness. But regardless of what you face. You've got to understand that you're not alone, God says right here in Scripture. From the time it came to be, I have already been there. And maybe there have been times where you've just felt utterly alone, desperate, depressed. But we've got to understand that feeling alone and being alone are not the same thing. God says right here, he says, draw to me. Draw near to me. You who are heavy burdened. You who are heavy laden, take upon my yoke, because my yoke is light and easy. You who are lonely, come to me, draw close to me. Psalm 46:1 says, When troubles are near, I am nearer. I am close. I want to show you guys a a picture this morning. This is Emily Darby. And this is a picture of her on her wedding day. And on her wedding day, she got quite the surprise. Someone read a letter to her that her father had written her. See, her father had passed away from cancer when she was eight years old. But he took the time before he passed away to write this letter to be read to her. On her wedding day, and I just just want to read to you a a couple pieces that he wrote to her. It says, To my dearest daughter, Emily, you are my heart and soul, and always will be. I'm writing this letter for you on your wedding day to tell you that I will not be there in body, but I will be there in spirit. I remember when you were just starting to walk, and it would be like walking you down the aisle on your wedding day. See, a wedding day is like a new beginning, a new life with another person that you love. And I want you to know that you will never do anything alone. Emily, I want you to know that I love you, that I'll always be there no matter where you go. The coolest part about this story, I, 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 when, I, when I found this, I just, I love this. Her and her husband made the decision that what they were gonna do is that they were going to read this letter every year on their anniversary so that they would be reminded of her father's love, his legacy, and his presence. Our father, our God, wrote us a 66-book love letter to do the same thing. Oh, what might happen in our lives if we made traditions to read it more? Would we know deep in our hearts that he loves us, that he's always there even when we can't feel them. I saw a post on uh, Facebook of one of my friends, and and she had just mentioned that she had an experience in her life where she had felt God, the presence of God, really move in her life for the first time. And I wasn't trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I I really wanted wanted to connect a thought for her. And I commented on the page and I just said, listen, you need to cling to this moment and never forget this because in the future there's going to be moments where you can't feel God and you've got to come back to that. You've got to remember when God was present, when he was moving. That's what the word can do for us. That's why God wrote it down. He wanted us to remember. If you read scripture, you find out that the generations that turned against God were the generations that saw God do nothing. Nothing. We've got to remember what God's done for us in our life. And part of that is reading the Word of God. When you feel alone, read the letter, cling to His truth. Another thing that I believe we have to do is that we have to be honest about our loneliness. I'm going to put another uh, image up and just fill the other blank in one of the one of the sides of the triangle and just put people and those of you that know if you read the bible you understand that man's first problem was loneliness and God came and saw Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone and that's why he created Eve so part two of my new motto is don't embrace the suck alone let others walk with you and be somebody that walks with others. And listen, I, I understand. I am I'm, I'm a loner. I was that kid in school that did the entire group project by myself so I didn't have to spend time with other kids, right? Like, I, I, I understand this. I'm a parent. There's times where I just want peace and quiet. But, y'all, we, we have got to quit trying to carry our junk alone, our burdens by ourselves. It's not, this is, this is what scripture is saying, it's not good for you to be alone. I want you to read in Genesis two twenty five. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Now I understand that the culture we live in, we, we tend to think other things about this passage, but this passage has nothing to do with sexuality. This passage has everything to do with vulnerability. The idea of perfection, this this idea of being in the Garden of Eden with God was that we could be naked with God and feel no shame. We could be naked with our spouse and feel no shame. That they would know who we are and what we are and that they would love us anyways. To be naked and feel no embarrassment. And you, you guys understand this. If, that, if you were required to strip naked in front of people, it, it would be uncomfortable. It'd be embarrassing. And more importantly, it'd be awkward. And I, I understand that. I understand that being vulnerable with other people is hard. But we've got to quit trying to carry our burdens alone. There's too many of us that we are feeling alone because we're trying to fight all our battles alone because we're too afraid to tell other people what's going on. And that's why James reminds us in scripture, he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. I think you could also throw feelings in there. Confess your feelings to one another so that you can be healed. Confess for healing. Now, this is hard for me to believe, but Stephanie and I, have this year, have been married for 10 years. So you got to go back past that. When when we were dating, we were living here in Oklahoma City, and Stephanie really wanted to go horseback riding. And I I had been horseback riding for, you know, I'd done it a lot as a kid, but it had been a long time since I'd I'd been horseback riding. So with Steph and I, we get to this place, and the guy asked us the question. He's like, so, you know, how much, you know, how much experience do you have? And at, at this point in, in my relationship with Stephanie, I still cared what she thought of me. And so I was like, I was like oh, yeah, like a, I'm, like I'm kind of like a professional. You know, I do this all the time. You know? That was, a, that was a mistake. Because the guy took that as you don't need a guide, right? So he just puts us on some horses He says, Hey, the horses know the trail. Just just go for it. (laughs) That was not a good idea. All right, I had no idea what I was doing. Stephanie had no idea what I was doing. And let me tell you, some of those of you that know horses, the horses knew that we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) And so, what did they do? They went to their favorite spots where they knew they had the food that they liked. And they just sat there and they ate. So we didn't even get on the trail, and then it started to rain, and the horses just decided they wanted to go back home, so I had paid an absurd amount of money to feed their horses, (laughs) right? All because I was trying to pretend I knew something that I didn't really know. I was pretending that I was experienced. All of us do this almost daily. You understand how exhausting it is to be a hypocrite? And I'm not talking about righteousness. That's a whole different part of hypocrisy. But I'm talking about when we pretend to be something that we're not, when we pretend to be happy, when we pretend to be good, when people ask us, how you doing? And we say, I'm okay," whatever that means. When's the last time you were honest and authentic with someone? When's the last time when someone asked you how you were doing, you told them the truth? When you told them the actual truth? Now, I understand that a lot of times when people say, how you doing? They don't really want to know how you doing. They're just saying hi. But there are certain people in your life that you need to be honest with. Do you think that it's possible that today you might feel lonely because you're not letting anybody in? possible that you're lonely because you're fighting all these internal battles by yourself is it possible that you're struggling too hard to be what you think people think you should be that maybe you're lonely because people have accepted you and like you for who you're pretending to be and not who you actually are my question is why why do we think the truth is going to scare people away And I'm not advocating that we open up to everybody because that's a bad idea. But you should have people that you trust in your life to share your heart with. And why do we think that it's going to scare the people that are closest to us? Or is it just that social media has created this atmosphere where we think that we're connected when we're not? Or have we become so busy in the world that we just don't have time to keep up our relationships? Because let's get honest for a moment. We're all broken. And if who you are frightens anybody, then their insecurity has gotten the best of them and the price to pay to be their friend isn't worth it. Because real friendships don't shudder when they see your scars and hear your dirt. Real friends instead move closer to you to pray for you so that you might be healed. I want to pause for a second. Are we being those type of friends to other people? Are we creating a culture in our church? Are we creating a culture in our lives where people feel the freedom to come and be honest with us because they know that we're going to pray for them instead of judge them? Let me get off my soapbox. Let's get back. To be in this type of relationship takes work on our end too. We need to take ownership and responsibility for this. We have to take steps of connection. We have to make time. Other people can't read our minds. You can't hear or see tone through a text message. You can't just hope and wait. And we can't be upset when no one's helped us when we've told no one. Quit pretending that you're fine. Quit pretending that you're okay. Today, if you're not good, tell somebody. Find somebody that you trust. And be honest with them. But maybe there are some of you here today that, that you feel blessed enough that you have those kinds of friends in your life, that, that you're surrounded by friends and family that know your heart and, and people that you can be honest with. But you still feel Lonely. A bridge has three components. It has the foundation, it has a substructure, and it has a superstructure. If one of these three components is not a part of the bridge, do you know what's going to happen? The bridge is going to be weak. The bridge is going to be suspect to fail. I believe the same thing is true of us. I believe that there's three components of wholeness in our life. Can we, can we throw that next image up? You can fill in the blank. You have yourself, you have the people around you, and you have God. And I believe that these are the three keys to finding wholeness. And I believe that if any one of these things are missing, you're going to find that you are Lonely. Because it's not good for creation to be disconnected from the one who created. What if loneliness at times has nothing to do with our proximity to people, but our proximity to God? Could it be possible that we are feeling loneliness because we're living apart from the one who created us? That we suffer Because our relationship with God suffers. While this image is still up here, I I just want to show you a cool thing. We talked about that story from Elijah. And and Elijah was feeling lonely, but then God came and he said, he whispered and said, I am close. And then he said, also, there's 7,000 people that have not failed. God came to Elijah to remind him that he was not lonely, but he was Whole. And God says in Scripture, Jesus comes and he tells us, he says, listen, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. And if you do those two things, well, what's going to happen? You're not going to feel as lonely if you make the effort to love God and love people. And that's why the last piece of what I want to share with you today, arguably the most important, is that we've got to seek to be connected with God intimately Psalm 25 16 through 18 says this turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted the troubles of my heart are enlarged bring me out of my distress consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all of my sins I think it's really important to catch what he's not asking for. He's not asking for God to send him people in his life. He's not asking God for a cure. He's not asking God to just deal with his feelings or his symptoms. He's saying, no, God, I need you. God, you turn to me. Be present with me. I need you. I want you. Is it possible that at times we've attempted to fix our own loneliness by looking to fix an eternal problem with earthly means. Instead, today, why don't we call out to God as David did and ask him to turn to us, to draw near to us in our loneliness and in our affliction, to call out to the one who's able to bring us out of our distress, the one who's capable of filling that empty place in our heart. And as I wrote these words, I I played devil's advocate in my own mind, and I came up with this, but how? How do I have and how do I grow a relationship with a God that I cannot see, hear, or touch? And the Bible says, seek me with all of your heart and you will find me, but how do I seek a God I cannot see, hear, or touch? And I understand that it's not self-explanatory, but I think a lot of times we make it far more difficult than it has to be. I mean, how do we build relationships with anybody? We build relationships with people by spending time with them, by making time for them. It's the same with God. And for me in my life, I try to spend time with God. I try to be a creature of the word. And when I read, I highlight and I, I circle and I ask questions and I, and I stop and I, and I dwell and I, and I do research. I make an effort to dig deeper. I make an effort to make it personal. I make an effort to ask questions like, God, I don't care what you were trying to say when you wrote this. I want to know what you're trying to say to me. What are you trying to tell me, God? I try to make time to worship to an audience of one, to listen to the lyrics that I'm singing, to do my best to give my full sacrifice of praise to God. I try to spend time in in prayer for myself and for others. And when I'm I'm spending time in prayer, I try to be thankful. I try to spend time in silent prayer. Because there's just times where I just need to be still and know that He is God. And sometimes I go to prayer and I have an agenda and I have a lot of things I got to get off my chest, but there's times that I just need to go and say, here I am, God. I don't got nothing to say. I need to listen. I need to hear from you. Quiet my mind. I try to spend time with fellowship with other believers, those who know God better than I do, that can teach me and help me, and those that I know better than, that I can teach and help. And I attempt to begin all these activities with prayer by asking God to show up and to be near. You know, crazy enough, all these things that I describe to you, and you may have your own activities for for what you do, and that's good, and I I think you should create that, and you should should grow and blossom your relationship with God. And that's going to look different for each and every single one of us. But you know what I've noticed when I've sought to be close to God? I don't feel so lonely because when I read his word, when I pray, his spirit rests on me and I remember that God is nearer. I don't feel alone because my savior didn't just come to die on a cross for me. He came to know me. He came to be my friend. I'm gonna ask Rachel if she would come and I'm gonna ask the ushers if they would come too and in a moment we're going to take communion and when you get it you're going to have the the bread and the juice stacked in two cups and if you'd hold on to that we'll pray together at the end and take it together and we just want you to know we practice open communion here at Chartel and all that means is is that if you confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior we hope that you'll take communion with us and as she gets ready to, to pray it's funny a long time ago, when I, when I was a young boy, I had a, a friend. His name was Tim. And we we were as close as brothers. Now, this was back in the day. Uh, we did this when we weren't worried about spreading disease. I don't think we do this anymore. Uh, but those of you might understand this, is that we became blood brothers. We did that little thing where we we you know, prick our finger and you know, we put it together. It was like saying, you're not just a friend. You're a brother. And, and it was about intimacy. It was about this idea that we'd always have each other's backs. And he did. He always had my back. Anytime somebody picked on me, Tim would step in and say, no, you ain't picking on my Bubba. Right? He did that for me. As you receive the elements today, I, I want you to think about that. Maybe God wasn't being gross when he said, eat my body and drink my, drink my blood. What if he just wanted to be your blood brother? What if he just wanted to solidify that bond with you to reflect intimacy so that he might be with us for eternity? Ushers, would you come and serve us? Let's pray over the elements. Father God, thank you so much forgiving your body and pouring out your blood for us. Think back to the time when you were in the upper room with your disciples and you told those men, keep doing this. Do this in remembrance of me. And maybe, Father God, there was a part of that that was always meant to be a reminder to us that we are not alone. A reminder that you've made a way for you to be with us, in us, working through us. That no matter what we face, no matter how dark, no matter how lonely, that we could hold these two elements and we would remember your sacrifice. That we would be reconnected to the hope of what these two things mean, that death doesn't get the final say. So, Father God, as we, together, take these, help us to remember today that it is you that goes with us. It is you that goes before us. It is you that is in us. We love you. We praise you. In your holy name, amen.